here. Welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. And this episode is a real special one because I spoke with another Forbes 30 under 30 winner, Ashita Cabra, the founder of an award-winning app by Rotation, the world's first social fashion rental app. And so we talk about the impact of fast fashion on the environment and how renting clothing is the next wave of sustainable fashion. Obviously it went from buying clothes outright and then it came to kind of selling them secondhand on, on Depop and eBay and all that, all those sort of platforms. And now sort of renting clothing is the next wave. And also the importance of circular economy startups and how to build a two-sided platform to enable this circular nature to thrive. Of course, two-sided platforms are a great way to kind of exploit that circular economy and kind of make use of that because it is the way that we're kind of going, I feel, with, with social enterprises is, is circular economies, startups. So yeah, massively useful in that. And also, of course, the steps and considerations you should take when building a two-sided platform and also which side you should approach first to tackle the classic chicken and egg problem massively important for two-sided platforms like we i talked about this in my blog a few uh, a couple weeks ago about starting a dating app we had foreplay on the podcast before so a double dating app and you know massive problem for them was trying to find critical mass of men and women to kind of use this dating app because like think about it for women no like no women will sign up if there's no men on the platform and for men no, no men will sign up to the platform if there's no women and a similar sort of thing happens when it comes to you know clothing or any any sort of like two-sided platforms even like by rotation um that we'll talk about in as the episode goes on so yeah if, if you guys are thinking about starting a two-sided platform and there are two parties involved and the value for them depends on the other side I highly recommend that you, you, you listen to this episode to the very end because, yeah, there's, there's huge insight about how, how Ashita's grown this platform to having, you know, huge, huge growth uh, month on month. So, yeah, massively recommended. So that brings me to this week's shout out. So in case you don't know, every week I'm giving a shout out to someone who's left a written review on Apple Podcasts as a way of saying thank you. So in this episode, the shout out goes to MCJ see and then just like load numbers so like just put your name <laughs> if you put your name it makes my job a lot easier and also like people know who it's coming from so but anyway the the review is so much inspiration from other entrepreneurs seeing this interview style is awesome a must listen thank you so much for that lovely comment and I, it's really help, like nice to know that you're that you're enjoying the episodes and yeah continue to tune in um, thank you so much for that this episode, unfortunately, won't be on YouTube. We just didn't get the, the cameras working, unfortunately, but future episodes will be on YouTube as a full video. I know a lot of you guys like watching the, the full episodes on YouTube, so yeah, I haven't stopped doing them. They will come in the next episode, I promise you. So yeah, without further ado, let's go on with the episode. Hey, Ashita, how you doing? I'm good, how are you, Sina? Yeah, really good. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. It's been a while since we started talking, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited to have you on to talk about like your app by rotation because it seems so exciting and especially because you know people like people who have listened to this podcast for a while know that I love sort of sustainability ideas especially when you mix sort of sustainability with tech mm -hmm. that like the spot where I absolutely love so I love inviting guests such as yourselves on that really gets me excited basically thank you so much for having me so I think like yeah it'd be great to start off with like by rotation like what is it and then we kind of ju jump into the juicy bits Sure. So by rotation is the world's first social fashion rental app, which sounds like a mouthful, but really it's a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace where users can lend and rent designer and contemporary fashion with each other. 
we launched the app in October 2019, so about five and a half months before the UK went into national lockdowns, uh, which was a really interesting time to found a peer-to-peer fashion rental marketplace, because you can imagine not many people were wearing anything other than PJs. Um, but we actually spent a lot of that time building up our community. So that's to say, you know, to get users, uh, so lenders and renters onto the app. And while everyone was at home, essentially, you know, cleaning up and, you know, Mary Kondo weighing their wardrobes, we had quite a lot of people listing their items on the app as well, um, along with, you know, the coupled effect of people talking more about conscious consumerism. So it's been really interesting since we launched. Um, and now we have over 70,000 users in the UK. And the ambitions really to go global and become the vintage or depop of designer fashion rental. I think that's really cool. So just to kind of go into the business model a little bit more, just to give people like clarity, I guess. How would it kind of work? So you say you said rental, so there's no kind of purchasing, right? That's correct. And we've chosen not to add a buy button. You know, we can do this any day. But it's been it's been, you know, the purity of purpose that we go along with, which is fashion rental does work and it can go alongside resale yeah for sure i mean that that probably hits more to the spot of you know the circular fashion economy exactly. because like yeah you, you must see this on like a daily basis but like obviously big big clothing retailers they're constantly slammed with you know um like the fast fashion phase and all that stuff so i feel like when when you move like the, the next step after like fast fashion obviously is trying to get people to sell their their secondhand clothes but then i think the the one that's past that is also trying to like people f- to rent their clothes rather than buy them outright exactly so i feel like yeah it's like the next stage exactly isn't it? i mean you know we've been seeing that happen with you know where we live i mean a lot of us still live in rented properties because you know you know we're either moving away we need flexibility we can't afford it you know lots of different reasons we do that with cars um it just sort of makes sense that we can do that with fashion as well, especially when you're wearing fashion so infrequently. You know, a lot of women are wearing dresses just for one photo, just for one event or occasion. So why not if the brand just made fewer quantities of that same style and let people rent it out and return it back? You know, I think I think there's something that brands can benefit here as well, which is, you know, to, to really have higher quality pieces um, and, and they can charge premium prices for the rentals. Um, and actually get a lot of people to start engaging with their brand. Um, but obviously, we we don't do B2B. Um, we do more B2C to C, uh, which is actually getting people to unlock value from things that they already own. Because on average, we all have 57 items in our wardrobe. And out of that, we only wear 30% of these items. You know, I, I mean, I would argue we have way more items than 57. And I probably wear less than 30% of my wardrobe. Um, and, and I would argue that, you know, we could actually just end up sharing and lending those pieces out um, because there's definitely this whole phenomenon of, as I mentioned, you know, a lot of people, you know, yeah, predominantly women wearing pieces just once. And the golden number apparently is the minimum 30 wears rule uh, where you want to make sure that you've worn a piece at least 30 times before you can justify wearing it. And that's where concepts like the sharing economy can really help us, um, you know, get full use out of our clothes and make them much more circular. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is really what I want, I want to speak to you about is the circular economy and also like the business models that come with that, because obviously for young people listening, they want to go into that space of trying to trying to, you know, 
impose a circular economy because it is the way that we're going. But obviously, there's specific business model that business models that works very well for that sort of thing. But I think before we go on to that, it'd be great to kind of learn a bit more about like the origin story of how you actually started by rotation. Yeah, sure. So um, I have no background in the fashion industry or, or well, even tech explicitly. Um, I used to work in finance. So I was an investment analyst. I was working in corporate bonds. Uh, so yeah, very, very unrelated to what I'm doing now. Um, and I was planning my honeymoon, uh, which was back to Rajasthan in India where I was born. And I hadn't been back for 14 or 15 years, and I really wanted to reconnect with my roots, um, show it to my non-Indian husband. And, you know, I started thinking about, you know, our trip itinerary and also about all the clothes that I wanted to wear on this holiday. Um, a lot of women tend to do that, and I'm one of those women. And that's when I started thinking about fashion rental and how the UK and even Europe, for that matter, doesn't really have a modern or a viable solution to renting or borrowing fashion, um, unlike you know players in the U in the US or you know in, in China or even Singapore, where I'm from. So you know that's rent the runway, Y closet, style theory, and that's when I start thinking about this fashion rental idea and um, you know a clear gap in the market. But it wasn't until the actual honeymoon when I went back to my suburban hometown in you know, the desert state of Rajasthan, that I noticed a lot of textile waste everywhere. You know, you had animals feeding on this textile waste. Um, and, you know, as a Hindu, I consider cows to be sacred. And I couldn't help but feel guilty that, you know, I too had purchased new clothes for this holiday. And I wasn't sure if I was going to wear them for, you know, that magic number 30 number of times um, and you know about 90% of the items that we donate to charities actually ends up in landfills in you know Asian and African countries and so it just it just felt very wrong and I felt very much a part of the problem and that's when I thought about this fashion rental idea I was thinking about and you know how I could make it a step further make it go a step further which is to become part of the sharing economy and, you know, those analogies of Airbnb and Uber, that's when, you know, this concept of this peer-to-peer -peer marketplace for booking clothes off each other uh, came into mind. So I actually founded the business as a side hustle for the first six months. And I only left my job when, uh, when I felt I had enough, you know, data, so enough transaction volumes and traction. So that's press and customer traction. Uh, to finally sort of leave my job and outweigh the you know cost benefit analysis. Okay, great. And then the next step, like, what was the next step of kind of testing testing the market, like validating it? Yeah, I mean, I was doing that um, as a side hustle. You know, I created a beta platform over the weekend, so that's where my background as a web designer since the age of eleven. Although things in the world of web design and coding have really come, you know, have really changed. Um, but that's where my background came back full circle. You know, I, I had created this test platform over the weekend and I started attending a lot of um, sustainable fashion um, networking events after work in the evenings and also on the weekends. And, you know, I started realizing that even though this seemed very much out of my world and out of my network, because, you know, most of my network is professional services, you know, people who work in in banking and finance and law and, and, and all those sort of different sort of sectors. Um, and, and that's when I sort of started realizing that people were talking about it, maybe not just in my circles. 
Um, so I had kind of gotten more in touch with the early adopters who would be there to buy rotation in its early days. So, um, so that's really how I got started. And as I mentioned, I didn't actually quit my job until after six months uh, when I did see enough traction. So it was really about testing what would be right. You know, the beta platform was a very ugly um, white labeled website that I had customized. And, um, you know, from that, I noticed that about 70% of the people browsing the platform were all coming, you know, who, what they were all using it via mobile. And, you know, I started noticing how a lot of e-commerce players like NetApporter, um, The Outnet, even, even ASOS and, and Boohoo, you know, they were all, you know, promoting their apps and offering additional discounts if you use their app. And that's when I realized that, you know, we wanted to go app first. Um, and at the moment, we are app only and we will have a web-based platform. But it was really, really, you know, we were really, really thinking about how we need to make if it's going to be peer-to-peer, -peer, you need to have a very engaged user. Um, you need to have an engaged person who will fulfill the orders that they are getting. And, and that's why, you know, going app first was some was really important to us, you know, to increase that stickiness. That's really interesting. Like, I, I'd love to kind of delve into that a bit more about the, the sort of stickiness of consumers when it comes to like app versus web. I don't know, like, can you, do you have, do, do you have any like talk about that? I guess, because you had to make the decision like one or the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. And and the other thing I would say is, um, especially in the fashion world, from what I've kind of gathered um, in the past 20 months of experience that I've had working adjacent to this industry, you know, people strive for perfection from day one, which is great. But they're also too scared to go to market with a less perfect version of their product. But we are very different. You know, we actually created a skeleton app uh, which, you know, was completely coded by us. So we didn't use any sort of third-party agency. Um, and, and, you know, we had the rights to everything, which is great because you do want it to be proprietary as a tech company. And what we did is instead of having a perfect app on day one, which was beautiful and glossy and had, I don't know, 10,000 features, we actually had the basic features and we kept adding the features, um, you know, based on what the customer really wanted, what the actual users and customers um, seem to be looking at more on the app. So looking at things like screens, uh, where people are dropping off, uh, really looking at that funnel. And that's something I would say, you know, I was told to consider by the founder of Depop, who, you know, obviously Depop's just been bought by Etsy. But it was really interesting to hear how they had developed their app in the early days. Um, and, and that's why, you know, just, just learning from the Depop story They've been very, very app focused. I think their web-based platform, I mean, this company is nine or 10 years old now. This company didn't launch a web-based platform until very recently, uh, until very recent, sorry. And the other thing I'd say is they don't actually still allow you to transact on the web-based platform. So you can list items on the web-based platform and you can browse. But when it comes to doing transactions, they still want you to use the app. That again tells me that you know, even a company that's 10 years down the road has a valuation of 1.6 billion. They're still very, very app focused. So we haven't, you know, we don't have a web-based platform as yet. It's, it's more landing page, our website, but we continue to direct all the traffic to our app. And, you know, we've been featured as app of the day within 10 months of launch, which is incredible in the UK. Um, we're due to be featured again, probably in early August. And it's just... It's, I, I think it's one of those things where we really made the right call because 
there are quite a few other fashion rental players in the UK now, which have all popped up, you know, uh, very recently as well. So everyone's been riding this wave of, you know, circularity, sustainable fashion, um, you know, all of this stuff, overconsumption, all of that. And it's so interesting that their focus hasn't been on tech. It's, you know, a lot of them have Shopify websites. Um, they have very glossy e-commerce websites and they have positioned it more like a e-commerce business, like a retailer would, um, as opposed to a community marketplace model. And I think that's where- that is, That's the wrong way to view it. It's such a wrong way to view it because you have to build a community before people actually use it. Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, if you're peer-to-peer, -peer, definitely. You know, um, that a lot of them, as I mentioned, you know, they, they kind of are positioning themselves as re retailers, e-tailers. So they're actually buying the inventory and lending it out. And therefore, it might be okay for them to have Shopify websites. But yeah, the focus is so different. You know, their focus then is retail, not tech. Um, our focus is tech. Yeah, exactly. And I, Ashita, I'd love to talk to you about that, I guess. Obviously, like more people, more and more people are moving into the space of like rental, obviously like fashion rental, like trying to build that community, as you mentioned, but not just that, but as, you know, circular economy as a whole. So this whole rental thing, has really, you know, exploded in different sectors, not just not just obviously clothing, but kind of everything. But obviously, when you're building a community on on a tech platform or like whatever platform, that that is pretty challenging. So when you say like these these new players are coming in, you're you've already created a really high barrier barrier to entry for them just because you've built a community and it, and because it's two sided. So like the value that you deliver is from your user base rather than what you actually deliver, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So as your user base increases, the value that new users get also increases. Mm -hmm. um, that's quite unique for this sort of business model, this sort of platform. Yeah. So for people for people listening, I guess like when you're building this sort of two-sided platform where you're, where you're trying to attract, you know, the user and the, well, for you in your case, as an example, would be the, the people that rent um, and then the people that list the list the products. They might even be the same the same people, but, they only fulfill one role at any one time, right? Mm -hmm. So like, how would you attract that early user? Because obviously one won't come without the other, if that makes sense. And that's quite, a, that's quite a difficult dilemma that a lot of these founders face. Yeah, yeah. I think I was listening into um, this, this, this meeting that one of the guys who has founded or invested in over 200 marketplaces, um, this VC investor, and, and he was kind of sharing his learnings to all of us other marketplace founders. And, you know, it was all different kinds of marketplaces. Some were B2B, some were B2C, some were B2C2C, which is what we do. And um, one of the things that there was this topic of discussion, which was, um, you know, obviously it's so important to have high quality people on the app, uh, sorry, on your platform, um, you know, especially the ones who are in charge of fulfilling what is being offered on this platform so so it seems like the knee-jerk reaction would be we so in buy rotations case you would think great we need to get ten thousand amazing lenders you know people with incredible wardrobes who are willing to go and list those items um you know for other people to rent out and i think i mean that, that there's i definitely agree with that but for for buy rotation there's definitely been a balance um you know we haven't gone so strong in to just finding you know, the lenders that, you know, the supply side of the dynamics, we actually, I would say we went in maybe 60, 40%, if I had to put a number to it. Um, and that's because we really wanted to show the lenders that look, there are already renters on our platform, people are renting things already. 
because what I really understood is that people get, you know, you know, the lenders, the supply side gets annoyed if no one ends up transacting. They spend all this time creating their profiles, listing all their items, and then no one wants to rent them or, or buy them, you know, marketplaces. So having, you know, keeping, keeping those supply side is extremely important. So we made it very important from day one to show our customer stories, you know, people who successfully rented from the app, you know, who were tagging us on Instagram, you know, on social media. And, and, and you know, that gave more confidence to just other people who started considering lending out items. And I think the beauty of by rotation, you know, social fashion rental app is that, you know, unlike things like Airbnb, where you might only have one spare apartment or you might have only one spare car. Um, people tend to have on average, you know, the people on our app, the ones who are lending on our app, on average, they tend to have 200 items in their wardrobe that they could list. So we, we don't actually need, you know, a very, very high ratio of lenders versus renters. And we do actually have, you know, the rotator, as we call them, people who lend out their wardrobe and also rent on the app. You know, that's the ideal of where we're going towards. You know, people all owning the classic pieces, all the pieces that they love um, and, and, and then sharing them with others. And then all the other things that they're not so sure about or, you know, they wouldn't want to outright purchase them. They could borrow it from someone else on the app. So that that's the ideal goal and vision that we're working towards. People who lend and rent, um, which obviously wouldn't be the same um, on other marketplaces such as Airbnb. Two-sided platforms are booming at the moment. As a way to kind of reinforce that circular economy, a two-sided marketplace or like a platform is a brilliant way to actually, you know, it's a really good business model to actually do that. But there's a huge problem with that two-sided platform and that's with, you know, which side you'd want to attract first. Because obviously, well, looking at look Ashita's platform by rotation, no one will come onto the platform if there's no lenders but the lenders won't come on if there's no one you know, wanting to rent the, the clothing. So it's really important for a, a two-sided platform to, to kind of analyze which side they should attract first. Like it's a big problem. So yeah, it's a classic chicken and egg problem. Like which one do you attract first? So I really want to talk to Ashita about you know, the, the sort of considerations that she took as to which side she wants to attract first to enable that growth to, to expand. Because remember, as, as both sides increase, more value is also instilled in the platform. The value doesn't come from the actual business. The value the value comes from the audience that's involved. That's, that's something that's very unique to this sort of business model. So yeah, we talk about that now. So yeah, I mean, I mean you know, I, I did get lenders in first because obviously you cannot have an empty marketplace, you know? Um, but to be honest, the, the people that I got on the app, they were just my friends, you know? my actual really good friends who have seen by rotation from day one. It's kind of that story of Vestia Collective. You know, I think there were about nine or 10 co-founders when the uh, when the platform first started. And it was just, um, you know, they were a group of friends and they got their friends of friends and friends of friends of friends to list, um, you know, the designer pieces that they wanted to resell on the platform. Um, and that's what I did. Um, and obviously things are a bit different now. You know, I know more people in the industry I finally know a few more people who would be early adopters, who are early adopters, sorry. Um, and that, that's come over time. That's, you know, from hard work, I would say, of, of networking with people and finding people because, you know, I'm, I'm not British myself. Um, and, you know, I didn't go to the same schools as people here. You know, I, I don't actually know a lot of British people until very recently. 
And um, so it's, it's been really interesting trying to convince people to start using this this platform, especially when it's such a new concept anyway. Yeah, but I mean, the unique thing about this business model, and it's a business model that, of course, is so popular now, is that the scalability is is pretty high because, you know, as you grow, as the bo- as both sides grow, the value obviously increases as a whole, and that, that obviously attracts more users. So it's kind of exponential as the growth, but it's very like, it's a cool thing about this business model. And as, as I mentioned before, it's not just this sort of like, it's not, it doesn't just work for clothing, but it works for everything. So just, like, I did a blog on this sort of thing with like a dating platform, mm-hmm. like it works with dating as well. It's the same sort of, it's the same sort of thing. Obviously you have to think about other things when it comes to different industries. So like dating, you'd think about more the geography. Mm-hmm. You don't, you probably don't think about the geography as much because it's just UK. Mm-hmm. Whereas with dating, you have to have, you have to consider like, you can't just start a dating app in the UK, but then open up to people in like, in like, I don't know, in like France, for instance, because people will sign up in France, but then they can't, they can't get matched up to people in England Mm -hmm. because, so it's very, it's very like important to attract, to think about these different things when, when you're thinking about attracting both sides to create value for them. So yeah, it's really good to talk to you about that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I completely agree with you. So I think, for for that sort of thing with the two sided market, obviously we've talked about it quite a lot. If anyone's actually interested in that blog, it's just on my it's obviously on my blog. You can like check it out in the link in the description. How to start a dating platform? We we go through. It's not just dating platform. It's just any two sided platform. But I guess for the future of bi rotation, where do you kind of see it going? Yeah. Um. So in terms of the future, you know, we really see ourselves as you know being the global fashion rental app where you know people can rent and then designer fashion and you know the, the the most amazing thing that i would really like to achieve is to have local communities everywhere so you know you can rent something for your interview tomorrow just from someone who lives three streets down the road from you i mean that's how i really envision it becoming you know just rotating with people who are anyway close to you and we've definitely started seeing that already you know in you know that whole mushrooming kind of effect in london um, you know, a lot of user base tends to be here. Uh, it's such a huge city after all. But it's so great, like some neighborhoods, you know, some people actually, you know, are already all on the app and they actually have met other women who are the same size and style as them. And, you know, they're following them on the app and then they constantly rent from the same lender over and over again. So they've kind of, you know, made the sort of friendships or acquaintanceships. Um, yeah, and that also obviously promotes stickiness on the app, which is great. Yeah, obviously, because you're not just tapping into, I guess, the, um, and this is another important thing that a lot of founders in different business areas have to consider is that the value that you offer them isn't just kind of the features of the app, right? Yeah. Like you're not just offering them an ability to tr- to trade, you know, to, to rent out their clothes, but you're also offering that experience of, I guess, meeting new people, socializing, happiness. And like when it's, when it's, when things are visceral, when things you can actually feel them on an emotional scale, that's when, you know, habits kick in and stickiness kicks in on an unreal scale. So like massively applauded for that, that you saw that for sure. That's amazing. And I think that's where it's a bit different from the inventory based fashion rental companies, you know, that there's no sense of emotion. And I think that emotion and storytelling, I think that's, you know, on vogue again, you know, People want to know who made their goods or who, who they're renting from. You know, if it's just a stuffy company, they don't they, they will treat products with less care. And that's what we've really seen, people being very, very careful with items. 
when they're renting it from a face from a person yeah no i completely agree that's why i think that the, the other companies that you mentioned before they're just kind of shopify websites obviously they might be getting started so i mean it's the same sort of thing as how you got started mm. like using white labeling a different website so maybe they're just getting started they have an overall brand vision of where they want to be but if you're literally just selling clothes and that's all that's it like the visceral effect of that is is fairly limited mm -hmm. so building building something on top of that is really important like for as, as a different example for wing my business we're trying to build in like more ability to customize your profile yeah. and the ability and for that it will, it will you know people can express themselves more they can feel more valued i guess they can express their personalities like their favorite colors and that sort of thing so we're trying to tap into that visceral scale because we know like the you know the stickiness that that it comes that comes with that is really kind of phenomenal and you know if they want to move to another app it's quite difficult for them to replicate that sort of visceral action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because they've already built up their rating, their reviews, you know, that they've already done yeah. on our platform. So they might as well just stay on it, you know, and we'll obviously continue to mm. improve the app and make it much better for our community. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know if you can talk about, I guess, features or like any future stuff that you think that would be really cool. But yeah, if you, if like, would you be able to, to share anything? Sure. Um, so it's, it's not a future one, but it's a recent one that we launched. It's called Lender Activity, and I'm very, very proud of it. Um, it's essentially a way for lenders or anyone on the app, really, to track the amount of money that they've made since they start listing and lending items on the app. So um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make a big deal out of it, but I've made a few thousands on the app, which is great because I don't pay myself a salary. Um, and what's really interesting about this is you can see the breakdown of the items that are the most popular. So you can see which items you've actually made your money back on, you know, the full retail price, or, you know, sometimes you even bought things on a discount and you've already made your full retail price on the amount, uh, uh, on the item. So I, I feel like it's, just yet another step in making people much more informed when they do go out and buy something new. You know, they'll, they'll buy the right products that have a return on investment, actually. You know, it's not just when, you know, when, when someone says, oh, it's going to be an investment, don't worry about it. You're actually creating a return on investment for these sort of products. That is, that is crazy. That, when it comes to, say, circular economy and that sort of thing, like the thing that I always get from people is, oh, oh it's nice. I wish I could do that. And they, it's all kind of talk, but when there's actually, I guess, like money and also like that visceral stuff that we talked about before, when, when that sort of thing, that sort of stuff's on the table yeah. as, as a value proposition, like it's, it's harder to say no, like it, it's pretty difficult to say no. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and I so like, yeah, massive credit there. That's, that's amazing. That feature. Thank you. Yeah. I think, I think beyond the whole money-making element uh, aspect of the business, which by the way, is obviously very, very cool, you know, as someone who used to work in the city. Um, but I would say it's just for me, I've seen in the past year of using the app, you know, for fully like one entire year, I've actually bought half the amount of items I would have otherwise. And I actually have seen which items that I bought have, you know, again, made back money. And now I'm going to be much more informed if I do end up buying anything new. So so I always feel like it's become this educational tool even and a great way to manage your wardrobe. Anyway, I think, Ashita, we're going to wrap up there. It's been an absolutely incredible episode. I love talking about this. Um, as, as you kind of saw, like, I guess like I get quite passionate about this sort of thing. I love circular economy ideas. I love that. And when there's kind of scalability, like kind of embedded in that, it just shows because a lot of people kind of see social enterprises and, and like the circular economy, come, like startups, and they're like, oh, yeah, but it, it, 
like it won't scale or whatever, but you're kind of proving that it definitely can scale, which is, which is amazing. Um, so I absolutely love that. Thank you. How how can people stay in touch with you, stay in touch with by rotation in the future? Because I'm sure people want to check it out now. Yes, definitely. So men and women both are allowed on the app. We are looking for more items on the men's category. We're also expanding to homeware rental, which is super exciting. Um, but if you want to find us, you can find us at buyrotation.com. So that's byrotation.com, not B-U-Y, do not buy. It's the opposite of what we're doing. Um, and you can also find us on social media. So that's at byrotationofficial. Um, and in terms of finding me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Ashita Cabra. Thank you so much, Ashita. And yeah, I'll catch you later. Thanks so Thanks much. Thanks again, Sina. Thank you so much for staying to the very end of the episode. I really do appreciate it. And for listening to this episode of Millennial Entrepreneur, I'm so glad that you stuck around to the very end. It means so, so much to me. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. And as a way of saying thank you, I will give you a shout out in the next episode. But be sure to put your name in it because at the beginning of this episode, I gave a shout out and it was just loaded letters and numbers and no one really knew what was going on so yeah please put your name and it makes everyone's job a lot easier and also like a pro- it's a proper shout out isn't it like people hear your name um anyway you can also subscribe to us on youtube and follow us on instagram share with your friends all that good stuff uh and yeah i'll catch you in the next episode thanks for listening